Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now a second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of James, James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us and he prayed, fervent, he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may know that just a few weeks ago, a former member of our church died suddenly. A friend of mine was playing golf with this man's son when his mother called and told him that his father had died while away on business. I can't imagine few more difficult phone calls. So what I give thanks to God for amid tragedy are the little miracles like this one, that when Sam Rapp got the news that his father had died, Brian Robinson was with him. Now, Brian didn't feel especially equipped or poor prepared for a moment like this one. Uh, he is a dentist and not a grief counselor. So what I want to preach about today is how much comfort presence brings, how much one simple act of kindness can change things, and how God has put us here on this earth to live our faith how the book of James calls on us to, to do something, but the world makes too many of us afraid to actually act. We worry about having the right words, and so sometimes we say nothing at all. We worry about looking awkward or making someone feel uncomfortable so we don't act or go or, or pray. Although in her sermon two weeks ago, Reverend Cassie Waits proclaimed that a person who calls herself a runner but never runs is not really a runner, and a Christian who doesn't live her faith can't call herself a Christian. There's a great... Tony Robbins' quote I heard this week. Tony Robbins is one of those self-help speakers, and this is uh, my favorite thing that I've heard him say. And life, 
Lots of people know what to do, but few people actually do what they know. Knowing is not enough. You must take action. And I tell you, churches are just full of people who, who know what to do, but life-changing things happen when disciples have the courage to do what they know, to step out in faith as James implores. Are there any among you suffering? Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the, the name of the Lord. That's what James says, even though the cynics among us might ask, what's a little oil going to do in the face of cancer or heart disease? The self-conscious among us might wonder if they should even go. Too often the words inside our heads make us feel helpful to do anything. So let us remember that a simple act of authentic kindness is enough to defy the powers of sin and death. It's true. Listen to this. On a trip to Boston a few years ago, we walked the Freedom Trail. Right next to the Freedom Trail is a noteworthy Holocaust memorial. One simple glass tower dedicated to each of the concentration camps. Numbers on the outside etched in the glass of all the people murdered at each one. The numbers reached to the sky. But in the middle, in the inside of the tower, uh, where you walk through, are quotes from survivors. This one I found to be especially profound. Ilse, a childhood friend of mine, once found a raspberry in the camp and carried it in her pocket all day to present it to me that night on a leaf. Imagine a world in which your entire possession is one raspberry and you give it to your friend. The world has a way of making us feel small. Like our actions have no meaning, that there's nothing really to be done. Who am I to make a difference? We've learned to ask, but don't forget that you are one who can make a difference just by doing what you know to do. That's how it was with Esther. Our first scripture lesson comes from that great book which tells the story of a Jewish girl who had somehow lucked out and made it into the palace of the, the king of Persia while the Jewish people lived there in exile. No one there knew that she was a Jew and they didn't need to know for if she hid her identity, she'd be spared from all the hardship her people faced living as an oppressed minority under the most powerful empire on the earth. 
She knew that she could get by if she'd just wake up every morning, put on her makeup, and, and laugh at all the emperor's jokes. She, she wasn't powerful. She didn't need to be wise. All she had to do was keep the emperor happy, and she could go on living. And maybe doing so doesn't feel very good. However, it's better than the only alternative she could imagine. So she stayed quiet, and she survived until... Until the only father she had ever known needed her. She got by until she heard that her people needed her. Then she spoke out against the evil Haman who was plotting their demise. She said something. And surely to her it seemed as though her voice would be nothing more than wind whistling through the reeds. That resistance was futile. Surely she felt as though her will to make a difference would be like water dashed against the rock. That she was powerless to really change anything. Just a pretty face with no means to persuade the emperor. Still... She spoke the words we just read. She spoke, and look what happened. She saved her people from genocide. Now, of course, it must have been hard. Of course, it took courage. What Esther did may seem nearly impossible in that nearly, that nearly is what she had to remember. That audacious belief that something could be done is what it really took for her to act. She had to believe somehow, at least a little bit, that things could actually change, that hope was truly real, that God was alive and not dead. Meanwhile... The powers of sin and death are always trying to persuade us that it's better to hide, keep silent, overthink everything, and be paralyzed by our own anxiety. This is exactly where the evil one wants us, thinking that nothing can be done. For within us is the power to comfort a friend in grief just by reaching out and squeezing his hand. Within us is the power to define Nazi Germany with the gift of a raspberry. Within us is the means to bring those who are lost back to the land of the living. Therefore, James is bold to say, my brothers and sisters, if any among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Did you hear that? Within you is the power to bring back the wandering sinner. And I don't think the author of the book of James means that we should correct, shame, judge, manipulate, or, or lecture the wandering sinner. 
If you've ever been on the receiving end of a group of well-meaning Christians who wanted to bring you back into the fold after getting caught dancing or, or smoking or listening to rock and roll music or something like that, then you know that judgmental Christians push people farther from the church rather than bring them back into it. I don't like that. And I don't believe James would like it either. What I believe James is talking about here is something closer to the South African principle of Ubuntu, which I learned about from Catherine Westlink's Facebook page just yesterday. Yesterday, our daughter Lily had five volleyball matches, so I had a lot of time to look at Facebook, and this is what I learned in some South African tribes, when someone does something wrong, he is taken to the center of the village and surrounded by his tribe for two days while they speak of all the good that he has done. They believe each person is good, yet sometimes makes mistakes, which is really just a cry for help. They unite in this ritual to encourage a person to reconnect with his true nature. The belief is that unity and affirmation have power to change behavior, more power to change behavior than shame or punishment. This is known as Ubuntu, humanity towards others. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It makes me remember the the pastor who preached my great-uncle Jim's funeral. He told the story of being a nine- or ten-year-old boy. His father had just died, and his house was full of people, so full that he couldn't really make out who all was there. His memory of the day was of a bunch of men and women wanting to say some words that would make this young boy feel better. The only vivid memory this preacher had of that sad day years ago was climbing the steps, for as he did, someone took his hand out of the crowd and squeezed it. That was all. That was all my great-uncle Jim needed to do, for despite all the years that had passed, between the, the day of his father's funeral when he was just a child and the day of my great-uncle Jim's death, that preacher, now retired, remembered that simple gesture which pulled him back into the land of the living by reminding him that he was not alone. It takes no more than that. A simple gesture, a kind word, a raspberry on a leaf. My brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders, bring them back. Those who wander through the valley of the shadow of death, walk with them there a while. Bring them back to the land of the living just by holding their hand. Bring them back from the shadow. Bring them back into the light, reminding them that they are more than their shame. Bring them back into community from the pain of their isolation. Don't treat the mourning the way people used to treat lepers. Don't isolate the sinner. Remember that Jesus was always eating with them. 
Do what he did. Stay close by. Don't be afraid of the tears of hurting people. Bring them back into the church. Bring them back into the circle. Do not leave them out in the cold. Do not shame them with your words. Do not add to the oppress the weight of your judgment. Bring them back. Bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. With that, James ends his letter. And with that, his letter challenges us to live all lives with faith, hope, and love. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.